You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello everyone and welcome back to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. This is our second episode and it is time that the Clone Wars has officially begun. We are getting into the first episodes chronologically of the Clone Wars animated series. I am Andrew, one of our co-hosts here, and I am joined once again by my lovely group of co-hosts. How are you today, gentlemen? Oh, we're, we're great, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I'm great, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> All right, awesome. So we are going to be tackling four episodes today. The first four, well, okay, there's a little bit of a caveat. So we're going to be tackling Cat and Mouse, Hidden Enemy, Supply Lines, and Ambush. Now, there is one in between there, which is Clone Cadets. We decided that it would be best to move that one to when we discuss uh, rookies, which I believe is going to be two episodes from now because it is a prequel to that episode. So we're going to move our discussion of that episode to there if you're wondering where that is. But these episodes are kind of linked together. They really form two mini arcs. Uh, the prelude to the Battle of Christophsis before the events of the Clone Wars film and then some issues with uh, Toydaria in the latter two episodes. Before we get into the episodes, though, uh, how are you guys? I know we've had a interesting last couple of weeks. There's been some new Star Wars stuff coming out. I know you all have been uh, really enjoying the Lego Skywalker Saga game. If you guys want to just talk about that for a bit, go ahead, because it's really been uh, the talk of the town the last couple of weeks. It really yeah, has. It's so just, good. It's, I, I agree with Jake. It's just a ton of fun and like for me at least um lego skywalker saga has done uh what this what uh lego complete saga did for the prequels with me with the sequels in this game and it's just like completely rehabilitated my uh appreciation and love for them because like as some of as some of you listening probably know online star wars discussion usually not the best route yeah nope. especially in yeah. a large community um and so i really got a lot i my sort of appreciation for both ray as a character and from what i could take away from episode nine kind of soured a lot yeah so I kind of just never really discussed the sequels at large online. Because, like, people just be bitching. Um, but through playing this game and through re-experiencing um, the sequel trilogy in LEGO form, uh, it really sort of made me gain a new appreciation for Rey and her journey and just everything really that i grew to love about the sequels and it's just a fun game in general man yeah it really is i have to agree with you though like 
I don't know. I feel like like for the last like couple of months now, I've been like not necessarily growing out of Star Wars, but I could feel like the way I consume it being far different than I had been in the past. And then through playing this game, it's like, fuck it. I love Star Wars again. This shit is awesome. I'm happy. Life is good. And like, again, yep. even with like Rise of Skywalker, I hate that movie. It It's so bad. But I had a blast playing like the missions for that game. And like, I don't know, like examining it through the goofy, not super serious lens of Lego was like really healthy for that. Yeah, and it just like uh, made the whole overall experience far more enjoyable. And also, I have to give the game credit; it might have my favorite ship combat in any Star Wars game ever, which is so ridiculous good. because it's Legos. But it is—it's so good. It's so <laughs> fun. I've never had so much fun flying around as an X-wing, blowing shit up. Like that was well, just awesome. I'm it's glad awesome. it's so much better because that I thought was my least favorite part of the old Lego Star Wars games was the the ship levels. Yeah, yeah. I just thought was, they, yeah, were just, rough. they weren't well. They were very frustrating for me as a kid, and playing them back, they're just kind of clunky and not that great. Uh, they have so, a lot of yeah. weird drag to them too. Yeah. Like I feel like you have to actually put effort into moving the ships. Like, how did I do this as a five-year-old? Like, what? And they flip over a lot as well. The ships, yeah, like, do the do the flip-over thing. It's very sensitive to like that mechanic. I also have to just ask, like Connor, following on from uh, <laughs> the viral moment from last week, uh, did you oh. have you in fact been able to beat the shit out of Lego Palpatine? No, Lego Sh- I have Skywalker? not. I have not been able to beat the shit out of Palpatine and Shmi Skywalker yet. I'm planning on doing it. I don't know when. I'm just going, right now at least, in the game. I'm just going around the entire galaxy as Scavenger Ray because she's just so precious. And just I love just all her dialogue. Um, just trying to 100% the game. But um, I will beat the shit out of Palpatine as Shmi Skywalker one of these days. It's just going to be episode three of the podcast. It's going to be like an hour-long reaction of Connor playing as Shmi and beating the shit out of Palpatine. There we go, honestly. (laughs) I do think once all of us have like gotten to as close as completely beating as we can that we could do a special episode on it. Um, I'm just waiting for myself to get to that point because I have loved every second of it that I have played so far, but I haven't gotten that far into it because I've been sick the past two weeks and me with games recently, it's very, like I have to be in a very specific mood and have to have energy to play them unless it's like the most mindless thing in the world and I really want to get invested into this game. So I just like haven't touched it in over a week, which is Crazy to think about because of how excited we all were when we recorded our first episode last month. Uh, but I just I got to get back to it. Um, the one thing I, I did notice is it took me a bit to like get used to the new combat because I was just so like yeah I've played complete saga so much that I have are like interesting addition. I have that just hooked in my brain. I'm like oh I'm using the force and I gotta like throw shit uh, everywhere and like aim stuff so like that was interesting to get used to but like Naboo and like Oda Gunga and like it's so beautiful just like those portions and then just all the stuff I've seen 
and like other videos it's crazy how much they've jam-packed into this game and how many deep cut references there are to certain things like oh yeah i'm loving Dude, there's a there's a comic reference in episode four that i will not say but like they have mr bones as a playable character max rebo has the sexiest voice i've ever heard Um, max rebo's voice is unironically incredible yeah i know connor said that his go-to character to play as was scavenger ray but my duo is always last jedi gray robe ray and mr bones it's always the two of them running around fucking shit up and they're like the best duo ever i might do that once we're once we uh we're done recording well, once I we're might. done recording i have nothing else to do today so unless i'm gonna take a nap and edit this episode i'm gonna play more of it because Hell i've held yeah. it off for too long so i need to do it because i feel like i'm missing out on all the fun and i need to get in vet- i'm like this with games for some reason well i will get them and then have a blast and then not touch them for like months and then oh, me go too. back to them. I do that all the time. And I'm just Same. like, what is it? Like everyone else is like loving them, and I'm not like not enjoying them. But like I'll be like, oh, I could play this, or I could do literally anything else. And I don't know. I'm just like that with game. It's been that way since COVID started. Honestly, like I had that phase where this is completely not Star Wars, but I had that Animal Crossing phase for like two months. And then I didn't touch it again for like six months. And that's just been... I had that with Destiny 2 recently. When the new DLC came out, I played like... Literally, like I think I hit like rank 60 on the season pass in the first week of it coming out. I completed all the main story and the raid and everything. And I haven't touched it since then. Jeez. Yeah. I've done that with Dark Souls recently. Because I got the Dark Souls collection um, for Christmas. And I installed them. And I, I've played a little bit of, of Dark Souls 1, and I just haven't, like, come back to it yet. Because usually I just wind up playing... I've I've revisited Animal Crossing recently. I was away for a month. Uh, my villagers were not happy about that. Mine haven't seen me in, like, six months, so they're going to be pissed. Yeah, mine... I went on again for the first time in, like, six months the other day uh, to visit a friend's island, and they were... Yeah, they were like, oh, where the hell have you been? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, Hunter's just sitting here like, what the hell is Animal Crossing? What is is Animal (laughs) I I was like that with um, Spider-Man PS4 as well. Like, that's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh my god, I went 100% of that game in like a week. (laughs) Oh, I blitzed through that when I I got the game. So much fun. Completely. It was so much fun. One of the best games I've ever played. Um, Absolutely. In terms of other stuff, we are gearing a bit closer to celebration, which none of us will be in attendance for. But I think we're starting to get a good idea of what we're going to see in certain panels, which is nice to see. We also had a new Star Wars novel come out, I believe, two weeks ago at this point. I actually started it. Um, I'm about eight chapters in. uh, Queen's Hope. I... Okay. Yeah, it's very. I completely weird. forgot. Yeah, I just haven't read. Yeah, them, I will. I totally I, I'll well. say this: I've only read half of Queen's Shadow, but I decided I'll read Queen's Hope because it seems like it's a bit standalone. I think I should go back and read the rest of the, <laughs> the trilogy. Um, because, Can't stand EK Johnson's yeah, I, I writing. Know, I know Jake is not a like, fan of EK. 
The right. whole idea of sister though is really dope. So I yeah. might force myself to read this one I, and maybe use like an audible credit on it. But I yeah, that was a big part of it for me. And then also like the standalone of it being like a story directly tied to Anakin and Padme's wedding. I'm like, okay, this intrigues me. And since it's so close out from Kenobi and we're just starting this podcast and since it takes place right at the beginning of the Clone Wars, I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna check this one out. So I'll probably still end up finishing it. Um, but I, I think I would be enjoying it more had I finished the other two Padme books beforehand. Um but yeah, that's where I'm at at this point. Um and then I know some of the like pre not preludes, but like one-off stories they have during the, the book about like all the other Skywalker women people have really been enjoying them so when i get to those because i know shmi connor's favorite had a couple good stories in here so uh yeah i'll keep you guys posted if i get there but then after queen's hope i'll be diving full-on into fallen star and the rest of the high republic stuff that i have not gotten to yet so and brotherhood comes out in less uh, than a month so everybody get hyped for that we i will at least 100 percent be talking about that on revenge of the fifth well Oh, Revenge so of the good. Fifth will be when it's does dropping. It come, does it come out on May 5th? Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's that so is, sick. That is smart. And then we oh, also which is had. Great, considering it's an Anakin centric yeah. book as well. Yeah. And then we also had that Kenobi uh, promo art that looks straight out of like Revenge of the Sith's uh, marketing from 2005. 2005. Yeah. I just got transported back to to that year, just like looking at that banner and just like getting the new images and like all the uh, the interviews with like Hayden and and Ewan and like hearing more about like the series and like how they prepared. Like the, new the fact stuff that Hayden we... Hayden the... Christensen like streamed the whole of the Clone Wars. He watched the whole Clone Wars and, that and is Rebels just, like, my... and yeah. yes and Rebels you... and that's one of my Rebels. things. And there's still people out here that's like, oh, I'm not going to watch that's Star not, Wars animation. Bro, it's not why? canon. Yeah, it is. It, it very yeah. like Anyone that's still saying that, but has like is saying that while we're seeing what we're getting in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, like just by themselves, like it, it's, it's yeah. very clear that they're pulling more and more from it now. If you said this two or three years ago, when the, the movies were pretty much acting like none of this stuff existed, then maybe I'd say I agree with you. But it, it's very clear that Clone Wars and Rebels are 100% considered on equal uh, playing ground as all the other shows for a lot of the people at Lucasfilm. As they should be. As they should be, because they were created to be... Literally, when Clone Wars and Rebels were coming out, they were the only Star Wars we had for a long gap of time. Exactly. So, and they were a, for a whole generation, the Clone Wars was their introduction to the franchise. So, yeah. Exactly. That's why I say what a lot of people don't podcast. realize is so much of the reason that the prequels are so beloved by, I mean, us, the generation that grew up with it, is because Clone Wars kept us engaged with that shit for years exactly. after exactly. the trilogy ended. Like, we still, even after all three movies were complete, we had years and years of additional stories uh, with pre-existing characters, new characters. We saw new planets. We saw old planets. It's like, 
that is such a huge reason why our generation, who is arguably the most prominent voice in the Star Wars fandom at the moment, just because we're, you know, finally blossoming into financial responsibility and all that, and you know, stupid financial studies yeah. and everything about you know <laughs> fandoms and how they're run. It's a whole topic we don't need to discuss in the podcast because it's boring as hell. But th- that that's the Clone Wars is literally why that is the case. Like why yeah. the prequels are regarded as like the thing right now and why we're getting content like Kenobi and we're gonna get all these flashbacks to that era in other shows and shit. Exactly. And so I just I think it's wild that people still want to sit here and say like no, none of that matters. And like, no, like it matters because look, look at us, look at us. We are all examples of that. Like, exactly. For... If Anakin Skywalker can do it. If Anakin Skywalker can do it, then so can you. Exactly. For people that, that needs like, to be a shirt. For people that needs to be, we need to make that <laughs> a shirt. A shirt. Yeah, just like a like a a, a a drawing of like Anakin just like sit sitting, uh, sitting at like a desk, just like binging through like. Clone Wars or Rebels, and just like have that <laughs> as like a hashtag. It needs to happen. Yeah. We need merch. that would be rad for like if people Anakin Skywalker can do it. That like say that their favorite characters are like Plo Koon or Kit Fisto. Do you really think that's just because of the what minute combined screen time that they had in the prequels? No, it's because of the yeah, stuff in the like prequels, Clone Wars. They were glup shittos. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's literally and, like the reason why so many of these characters and so much of the stuff in the prequels got the love and development it deserved. And I, I've been around the block in this community long enough. Like nowadays people are like, Oh, how was your favorite movie? Not revenge of the Sith. When I first got on Twitter, even saying that would have gotten you like the looks you get now for like enjoying the sequels in some communities. Yeah, it it's is the get those me. looks because I say my favorite prequel is Phantom yeah, Menace. Phantom like, Menace. The hell is wrong with it's you? It's like, oh, like I saw one of the TikToks. It's like, oh, put your finger down if Revenge of the Sith isn't your favorite movie for like unpopular Star Wars opinions. I'm like, is that like the standard now? Like I, I, I still thought it was Empire. So I guess I'm becoming like the old man in the community <laughs> now. I'm, I'm the the wizened old Ben Kenobi in <laughs> here. Um, but yeah. If Hayden Christensen is coming out here and saying, yeah, I watched all of it because it, it really gave me a more of appreciation for, you know, the character that I've been playing. Uh, the character that he yeah, created. The character that he created. It, it, it's saying something. And oh, can't forget Jake Lloyd. Can't forget oh, Jake can't Lloyd. Can't forget Hope Jake Lloyd. No. Cannot forget Jake Lloyd. But, like, this iteration of Anakin is one that Hayden brought to life. And the fact that he's going to these shows and these stories for inspiration of how to portray the character this time around is very telling. And Hayden's the one saying it right now, but I'm sure that Hayden's not the only one that, you know, took this approach for these roles. And I'm certain he won't be the last one to do so if we keep getting more and more uh, shows like this because we're getting to the age where new Star Wars that's coming out is going to be influenced by these shows in particular because some of the directors and some of the people working on the shows probably grew up around the time that the Clone Wars was first coming out. So this was their Star Wars for them. We saw with um, the Acolyte, Leslie Headland was saying how she was so influenced by Phantom Menace. And the Menace! And you yes! If, if, that, so if she said that, if she directed The Force Awakens in 2015 and she said that, she would have been crucified. 
But now that is like, yes, 100%. I love seeing this. We need more, you know, creators like this. And it just shows how everything has changed. And I am all for that. And I think with that, we should get into the first bit of Clone Wars content. Yes. So Cat and Mouse, the first chronological episode in the Clone Wars. This and uh, the next episode we will be talking about Hidden Enemy take place before the movie. So they probably should have been the first thing we talked about. But I think it would be weird if we didn't start with the literal pilot movie of the series. So we're doing it this way. This was... Aired in season two, but chronologically is the first episode of the series. It was directed by Kyle Dunleavy and written by Brian Larson. The moral of the episode was a wise leader knows when to follow. And we start off, the opening crawl tells us that this is above the Battle of Christophsis, right before the events of the Clone Wars film. So this one, because I think I've only ever seen it before our watch through. I've only ever seen it the one time when I first started my chronological watch around the time force awakens was coming out so this is i think was only the second time i've seen this episode and i didn't remember like having many strong feelings about this episode beforehand but i actually quite enjoyed it i was surprised how tense it was at certain points i really loved the the tactical aspects of this episode and it was great seeing the relationship between Yularen and Anakin develop over the episode, and of course the threat that the threat that was uh, Trench seeing him for the first time. Uh, what did you guys think about this one? Because I have a couple thoughts. It's weird as hell seeing Trench without his without the cybernetics, robotic yeah. face, and everything. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that he ever didn't have that. That was weird. I really enjoyed the episode. Like it was, it's probably the most star trek episode of star wars because it's it's an episode that's themed more around like uh ship to ship combat and like tactics and it's even better when like you consider that like the stealth ship that's being used is it's functioning much in the same way as like a submarine and submarine they even use a lot of those like underwater submarine sounds during the combat too and the dialogue it's all it's it very feels very submarine specific uh it's really cool to kind of get like a, an episode that's basically yalaran and uh anakin like bonding you know we get to know more about yalaran we get the sense that he's like a storied military commander already who's had his own like run-ins like prior to the clone wars and then there's admiral trench who's like he's really fun i just love him he's one of the like best uh original villains i think of the clone wars because he's he's got such a unique presence and i love that like when he speaks he does that little with his mouth Uh, because he's a spider it's great it's he's basically he's kind of like a a sort of prologue to thrawn in that he's he's basically this tactical genius but except he's more ruled by his ego than like say thrawn would be uh, but yeah, his design is great as well. The fact that he's like a spider and, and all that, it's it's amazing. It's again, like like I said last episode with Zero, of it, he's 100% a George Lucas character. But with Zero, where I thought that was kind of a negative, I think it's a positive for Trench. I was not a Trench fan when I was first watching the show, but I really enjoy him now. Uh, he's just got the whole... He's just again like uh, who's the who's the general from 
the Clone Wars with the uh, the the movie with the most like not subtle name of all time, General Loathsome. There we go. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that where he's just very clearly like the most obvious villain character ever. But it's so fun and so like hammy in a way that I really enjoyed it. But also the episode did a really good job of building him up as like a big threat and a big deal hyping up his military background and when they said that he was uh killed at, uh, in Malastare years ago in combat and having this like aura surrounding him of they're literally fighting a ghost and then the fact that that ends up happening again later on in the series when he is presumed dead in this episode and then comes back five or six seasons later spoiler alert like I just really enjoyed his uh, presence in this episode, I guess you can say. Another yeah. person I really enjoyed seeing is, as brief as it was, always great to see Bail Organa. So I yes. like seeing him a lot in these earlier episodes in the timeline. Uh, I think he showed up right at the beginning and maybe at the end, if I remember correctly. Uh, just to be fully transparent, we were supposed to record this last week. So I watched these episodes a week and a half ago, but then I got sick, and then we were all had a lot go down last week, so we we delayed yeah. it a couple days. So, but again, I I did have a really fun time with this episode, and it's a, another very typical Anakin story of he's not thrilled with how Obi Wan wants to do it, so he goes against Obi Wan's plan and his wishes. And he's combating with Yularen's role in the more story traditional as well, sense. more traditional yeah. style of, of military combat. And we see them go at it as well. A- another thing I pointed out about Anakin and Obi-Wan in this one is they I sensed that they their relationship was more master and apprentice than brotherhood. Because obviously at this point in the timeline... Ahsoka is not yet Anakin's Padawan. Do you guys think that this episode took place before Anakin got knighted? Or do you think Anakin is a Jedi Knight at this point in the timeline? I believe I he, he was knighted directly after Attack of the Clones. I you, think that was hinted at in you're something. You're right. Pretty sure that's what Brotherhood is all about. Brotherhood's gonna like explain the novel. Brotherhood is gonna explain how he how he gets knighted. I think he's just he's not long come out of being like knighted as a Jedi as a Jedi knight, and yeah. uh, his and Obi Wan's dynamic is still kind of grounded in the like master and apprentice like uh, uh, relationship. So like, and then when Ahsoka gets in, that kind of like arrives. That kind of freeze like freeze the two of them up to like maybe like their dynamic evolve more but yeah i definitely got the sense that they were still kind of in that master and apprentice territory feels like there's a bit of like growing pains there too because it's like obi-wan obviously in this episode is reluctant to let anakin do his thing and anakin only really wants to do his thing because obi-wan doesn't want him to and so like to see as the episode goes on that anakin's plan albeit Reckless was successful, and both Obi Wan and Yularen like kind of recognizing that and like coming to terms with the fact that okay, that's just how Anakin is. Yeah, that I feel like kind of contributes to that. And also, we don't have an official t- 
timeline of when Clone Wars actually begins. I personally have always felt like it was probably six months or so after Attack of the Clones. Just yeah. if we're going off of like, I don't know, Anakin's hair length. Well, yeah. the book. I will say this. Uh, the, the, the bit of Queen's Hope I have read, there is a lot, a lot of Anakin's scenes revolve around his mixed feelings on commanding or becoming a general uh, in the Republic Army. So he still is probably going through those growing pains at this point of like figuring out how he is going to act as a leader. And we definitely see a lot of that in this episode itself. Uh, trying to figure out like Anakin's way of doing things and that we eventually see very prominently throughout the entirety of the show. So definitely. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked if this was a little bit after, but again, you said the hair length, but I think it might be a thing of how you, you made the point last episode, Jake of maybe that was just a thing that they did for just using the same model over and over again to keep the budget purposes. Yeah. Model and not just like, Oh, we can assume that Anakin had multiple different looks, but this is just the one we saw throughout the entirety of the show because it would be cheaper to just have it at this length than to do the, the short hair and then eventually make it longer and longer and longer. That said, the author of Brotherhood has said that Obi-Wan still has his mullet at the point of that book. So, oh, Well, then it's an automatic. And he even, he even said he even said it has grown longer from Attack of the Clones, obviously. So some time has passed uh, when that book takes place, and that takes that is confirmed to be the first meeting of obi-wan and ventress which in this episode obviously or no 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 the next episode but it's hinted at that like you know the little history that they've had now so then that asks the question why did you cut it kenobi it's so beautiful (laughs) now revenge of the sith purposes maybe great look too I'm not. I'm not discrediting it. That that's my mullet Obi Wan was the best. But mullet Obi Wan, as someone who's always had uh, really long hair, it does get in the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can also attest to that. I cannot because every time I've tried to grow my hair, it has not turned out great. So I don't know what it's like to have shoulder length hair, but Obi Wan Kenobi rocked it like no one else. Uh, We we brought up the stealth ship. I really think it's a really cool design, and the way that the cloaking added to a lot of the tension in this episode was was a really nice touch. But we also see for the first time, canonically, I think in any Star Wars property, the tactical droids. What do you guys think of these things? Because I have always had very mixed thoughts on hate them. the tactical droids. I think they're really annoying. I really hate I- them. <laughs> I don't mind them. I think they're I think they're all right. Like they look they look a little weird, but I just I like the draw way they deliver lines. Uh, I I also like oh, the kind of like really robotic looking motherfuckers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I fucking love those guys. Yeah, I love that they have like tactical, uh, literally written on their head in Orabesh. There's like a shot later on in the hidden enemy where you literally see the Orabesh. So I just looked it up. I was like, oh, it's it literally says tactical. That's kind of neat. But yeah, I, I liked the I liked the tactical droids. I also, like you said, uh, Andrew, I really like the design of the stealth ship. It's kind of like a almost serpentine, but also kind of like yeah. a pencil. And like, there's I watched the uh, the behind the scenes featurettes like like before like we 
we came on to record this and like it's hilarious how much Dave Filoni talks about how he didn't want this to like contradict a line from Empire because like when the Falcon uh, clings onto the Star Destroyer, Captain Nida, the Imperial uh, commander in charge of it, like he says, oh, that's impossible because like, so an Imperial officer says to him, the ship no longer appears on our scopes. Impossible. No ship that small has a cloaking device. <laughs> it's like in the featurette, he says to George, like, uh, what about that line? He's like, oh, no, no, this what this ship does. This ship has a cloaking device. He's like, all right. <laughs> so, and they had to like, if you listen in the episode, they literally, they literally go out of their way to have Anakin say to Obi-Wan, well, a ship this small doesn't usually have a cloaking device. I just think it's really funny that they just got so hung up on that one line of dialogue. It, it also kind of shows how much like uh, Filoni cares about like making sure everything kind of like flows smoothly and things connect, which is admirable. But yeah, stealth ship, really cool. Yeah, I especially just loved the tense uh, sequence when they were um, when the hyena bombers were coming towards them and uh the clones oh, yeah. are reading like how they're how close they're getting and it's just real i was just like fuck dude i yeah. don't know what's gonna happen right i was, I was like, shit are they gonna decloak yeah that was a great scene. scene yeah it's genuinely tense stuff that oh and, was and one of the stuff i one of the moments i wrote down like yeah it was such a good scene and I liked the the clones that pop up in in this story as well. Like, there's that new newbie clone who who's part of the crew called Spark, and then you have that little interplay between him and the older clone who's like more experienced in this. And also, the design of the clones who pilot the stealth ship they're really cool. They look like yeah, they, look they awesome. really are. Yeah, I had to write I mean, down I... Uh, a quote from one of the clones. Uh, only quote I have written down for this episode, but he one of them said. I think it was the the veteran to the rookie saying, you learn pretty quick that when you serve under General Skywalker, you're always on the offensive. And that is very telling of uh, Anakin's uh, leadership in this episode. And yeah. we're just seeing the, the beginning of it and seeing uh, the beginnings of various trademarks for Anakin's character that we see throughout the, uh, the, the duration of the series. Yeah, and the finish is pretty spectacular as well. Like oh, Anakin yeah. literally diverting the missiles that Trench launches so they all like impact across his flagship. Very spectacular. Really well done, too. I, dude, like this was, um, this was basically the Clone Wars version of Maul, where like we all thought he was dead. I thought for sure Trench was dead. So, yeah. like, when he came back, okay, when it was rumored that, like, they've been playing around with making him come back, I was like, fuck yeah, do it. I, actually, no, I don't remember, but I was just like, I was kind of open to it, because I'm like, it's Admiral Trench, this guy's pretty dope. And so, like, because um, I thought he was done, I thought he was dead dead, like, when, when that, and I didn't realize that happens in season two. I thought it happened in, like, season one. Yeah. I misremember the early season so much actually no i misremember pretty much every season except for six and seven i i, I just misremember because they aired out of order and that yes, that's really yep. bugged that's me. and yeah yes, yes this weird. one was produced after season one but chronologically it's that's the first at episode the very beginning so i just find it weird that they 
made the the story in that way. Like, oh, here's a random prequel to before literally everything we've seen before smack dab in the middle of season two. Like, I just found it very odd. It is sort way. of jarring to see, like, better animation come first. Come and then first we get, and like, then go you know, back to the episode after right, this. Right, season one yeah. animation. You're like, what the hell? Like, season one yeah. clone faces. You're just like, oh, that's different. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like across the all four episodes, the production values vary. So you have like really intimate uh, animation that's deliberately well, intimate settings with animation that's deliberately reusing settings, keeping like, things sparse. And then you get to like supply lines Spons and everything's just the, like the everything's blowing up season. like so much. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, before I forget, I'm going to mention Killian, uh, the lead designer Killian Plunkett's uh, quote about. Um, Hidden Enemy and uh, and Cat and Mouse, because it's really funny, because he says about Hidden Enemy, oh, it's a prequel to a prequel of one of the prequels, and we're making another, we're making, uh, we're making another episode, which is Cat and Mouse, which is a prequel to that, so we are, we are definitely prequeled out right now. Yeah. Very amusing. Definitely. So we end with Trench being defeated, or is he? Like yes. He said, he... We don't know. He might show up again later. I gotta say it. I have to say the line. No one's ever really gone. Oh, there we go. I have to say it. Yeah, I. Star Wars loves bringing people back from the dead. Even if it's and then killing them again. Killing them again. (laughs) Violently. Uh, (laughs) Yes. But we'll get to that when we get to season seven. God knows how long that's gonna be. Um, Six years from now. Six years from now. But. It's going to take forever. Again, the, the, the tactical scenes, I loved. The stealth ship was great, and I loved seeing the early dynamics of how Anakin leads versus how Yularen leads, and then eventually getting to yep. where they end up becoming a pretty good team throughout the war, which I really enjoyed. Uh, does anyone have anything else to say about Cat and Mouse before we move on to our next episode? Other than it's really, really cool and tense. That, yeah, that's that's my overall thoughts on it. All right. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So let's move on now. Hidden Enemy. This one actually took place during season one, the 16th episode to air, but the second chronologically directed by Stuart Lee, one of the guys that has done a lot of episodes of all of the animated shows. It's a name I definitely recognize. Uh, Written by Drew Z. Greenberg. The moral of the episode is truth enlightens the mind, but won't always bring happiness to your heart. This is once again during... The Battle of Christophsis, and uh, I, I think Hidden Enemy isn't the right title for this episode. I think Among Us, uh, The Clone Wars is actually the, the title they should have gone with, because this is what this was. Oh uh, my god. The best way possible. Oh my god. I hadn't even thought of that, and now you've said it, that makes so much sense. Like, I, li- I literally, I might uh, try and edit together a video <laughs> where, where, like, they go in, where Rex, the bit where Rex and Cody run into, the, like, the mess, and they see all clones and just like play the starting I've, music i've seen one where i didn't realize it was from this episode but i saw a tiktok oh. like last year and they're like oh yeah i was in the med bay during that i was i was in the kitchen i'm like this is literally among us and <laughs> I, i'm watching the episode i'm like oh my god that's this episode but i loved this episode if i'm being honest i was oh yeah this, hooked. this episode i thought was great the whole because really been just one of my favorites how, like, yeah so, it sets up just the dire situation that we see at the beginning of the Clone Wars movie and just 
the mystery aspect of it, especially with like the interrogation of Slick's Barrack. Oh, that so was great. Yeah, and it, it, it also really love how it good. centers around Cody and Rex. Yeah. Yes. It yes. Was so yes. good. Like this is literally our first Rex and Cody episode we get in the timeline, and uh, first of many. I love but I, dynamic. I love it. I love their dynamic. I love Rex's. There are days where Rex is my favorite character. Period. So, I really fucked with this episode. Uh, we start off, Anakin and Obi-Wan's fleet get ambushed by droids. The droids obviously knew their plan. This is right before the events of the Clone Wars movie. Uh, because we, we see the Battle of Christophsis actually taking place. Whereas last episode it was above uh, the planet. Uh, and then there there's some suspicion that there's a spy in their ranks. One thing I want to point out just uh, during these scenes, Cody called the Separatists Seppies at one point, and that made me very uncomfortable because I don't remember that ever being used ever. And I, I, I did not like that, Cody. Never do that again. <laughs> There's a lot of that in se in uh, season one. A lot of the clones uh, using like uh, nicknames the for things. Like they call yeah. yeah, a lot of war jargon, and they ease out of that a little bit as the show goes like, on. I think Clankers like, stuck. I'm fine with that. Seppies, yeah. Cody. No, that's yeah. like you I feel like they use Seppies quite a bit, don't they? I, they I don't remember it. I, I just remember hearing it, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, it just. Mm. Maybe they used it, but I I hadn't. Again, I haven't seen a lot of season one in at least five years. So again, I think this is only the first, the second or third time I've seen this episode, which is why I was very very shocked with how much I loved this episode. Um, another thing that I just wanted to point out, even though it is a season one episode, so the animation is. Not, not as impressive as we saw in Cat and Mouse and as we'll see in Supply Lines when we talk about that in a little bit. But Christophsis, we, we really only saw it in uh, daytime during the Clone Wars movie. And it's a cool looking planet on its own. But there's a couple shots where they show it at night and I thought it looked awesome. Uh, yeah, I have always loved Christophsis as a planet. I, it just It's so visually appealing. It's it's not as cool as Teth, but it is. Dude, Teth is fucking great. It is. Teth is awesome. It's like a great looking planet. Uh, Ventures shows up, which we briefly talked about. We get, of course, Obi Wan's great line, Ventress, and I thought this mission would be unpleasant. Classic. Uh, I just I Man's love down him. bad. He's down bad, he, and I said all he's caps. Down horrendous. The look so. on this man's face when Ventress takes her cloak off. I I rewound it about four times because that, that Kenobi smirk. This man, it's just their dynamic has always worked for me, and I just love how literally every fight they have, it's just got this like absolutely intense. You can cut the sexual tension with a plastic spoon. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like Anakin's it's, just standing in the corner, spoony. just like, he's like, uh, like why are you doing this to me? Master, why are you, why are you doing this? I'm in hell right now. <laughs> oh, just, just wait till we get to the Satine arc. That's, uh, Oh no. That is that times a million. Um, oh, for, for sure. 
But, like we said, one of Slick's men is suspected to be the traitor in the ranks. They gather them all up, and I wrote... Of course, they gather the most incel-looking clones that they could find in the army. <laughs> um, as who we think the suspect might be. And then this is when it, I, I said, wait, hold on, this is just Among Us. Um, there are some pinup posters of Padme in this like little clone mess hall. What's Anakin thinking here? Like, in his mind, like, these men got these posters of my wife around here. That's another thing that you see a lot in early Clone Wars, is just these, like, random things on the wall. And I remember there was there was a bit of controversy in Season 7, because the uh, Bad Batch ship originally had those uh, inside the ship, I believe, and then they edited them out uh, when they... Uh, revived Clone Wars because they had him in the uh, the unfinished yeah, the reels. unfinished reels yeah uh-huh. and I remember some people being like oh, why are they getting rid of it I'm like dude really like you're getting upset people over that oh so mad over that and it was so funny because it's like that contributes nothing yeah exactly. yeah like to the overall story literally nothing it's like it, oh, it's so inconsequential so better if i know he's jerking off to padme during down <laughs> missions i'm like like who who gives a shit man like uh uh but we get these Star Wars uh, fans have to ruin everything they, they do uh and another thing we get we get all these clones they're getting interrogated one of them was uh in the infirmary one of them was in the med bay one of them was uh they they were all they all had their excuses and then we come across a cro- a clone named uh Chopper and Dude, when I that was weird that, I was like I was what I was like wait a like, second wait a, wait a minute something's up here uh, I, I didn't know what to do I was like my brain's not working what the hell is this I heard Rex say Chopper I'm like wait hold on that's not the droid what happened yeah here? And then, like, the droid, <laughs> like rolls around the corner so in Chopper's- my mind, I'm like, all right, well, uh, there's no way he's making it out of this episode because, you know, I don't remember this guy showing up one. again. But I guess we'll have to get that uh, that battle down the line. Uh, but yeah. you do find out who the imposter is, and I, I loved the reveal here. Same. It was brilliantly done, yeah, with with Slick yeah. being revealed like, as the traitor. I, also, I wish you, know you hadn't noticed that, sir. Oh. oh, the delivery from D. Bradley Baker is, like, perfectly sly. And I love that he, that when he escapes as well, he does, like, a roll just to make him look more slippery. I mean, he's already slippery enough with a name like Slick, but yeah. uh, I just love that little motion. I also love, uh, before I forget, the fact that, like, Chopper has has droid fingers that he's made into a little necklace it's like huh that was it's awesome like, it's awesome i'm amazed that they put it in there because of what it's referring to it's like because i'm i was watching that i was like wow like with what that's referring to about like soldiers how they have some soldiers would like cut off ears and fingers and like have them as keepsakes it's like that's dark that's dark and it just it 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 just kind of shows how the how the show was they were already experimenting with kind of push like taking the audience to like a darker place necessarily and kind of like showing certain aspects of war because I, I i know that george lucas was involved in the story uh, of this of this episode in particular and he said to the team like oh let's have a story about a clone that goes bad and it's like 
for whatever people think of George Lucas, he has a real understanding of like what war does to people, it seems, and like the politics of of like war and how it affects the soldiers and and stuff. All this very real stuff that kind of just kind of bleeds into the narrative and makes it feel more um makes it feel more authentic while you've got all the lightsabers and like blaster fire going off. Yeah, it really makes it feel like a war story, which is the best compliment you can say about a sci-fi fantasy animated show that aired on Cartoon Network in the late 2000s. Like, there is so much, like, little stuff about this show that I just eat up, and that is one of the moments like that. Another thing I want to point out is just the shot of all the clones looking at Slick right before the reveal. Beautiful. Great. That has to be one of the most iconic shots in all of Clone Wars 2. That was another one where I saw him like, that's from this episode too? Like, I had so many moments in this episode in particular of like, like, I didn't realize all of these scenes came from this episode. And it was just so great getting to revisit them in this wider context. And just the fact that I just was eating everything up was just the icing on the cake we see uh every kenobi's favorite general general loathsome shows up again which was a nice little touch to to show that this is before the clone wars movie and then another among us reference here slick literally hides in the vents this man (laughs) vented oh my god i didn't even pick up on that again i didn't pick up on that I was I was having a blast when I was writing these notes. I was like, okay, so now I know what uh, the the guy that made that game was watching when he made. Dude, George was ahead of the curve. George literally, where's his royalties? This is this is among us. Uh, Rex and Cody they they eventually catch on. They uh, find Slick. They they uh, bait him out of the the vent. And then they they start having a pretty intense fight. I was surprised of how tense the combat was. Uh, Kevin yeah, Kiner, again, shout great. out Kevin Kiner. Uh, the score here was great. Uh, I, I noticed they they played uh, portions of the uh, Coruscant speeder chase music from Attack of the Clones during this fight. Yep. I had to write that down. Okay. Uh, yep. Love that, that music cue. So I was like, oh, that's where that is. Because it, it took me a second. I was like, there we go. A really good choice to use there uh, because of how frantic that uh, music is and just using it for this one because the clones are really... At this point in the war, the fact that they have to fight one of their own that they've, you know, been in the war with and and it's it's one of their brothers, like... Yeah. It was pretty heavy. Uh, we- and there's also that line from Rex when they walk into the mess and they see they see all the clones there and Rex says to Cody, the only people in here are brothers. It's like, that's quite an oh, effect. Yeah. It's an affecting line and it also, like, this whole episode is really effective because it continues the thread that we'll later talk about in Ambush when we discuss Ambush because uh, of the, the kind of, like, theme of the clones being individuals or having their own kind of, like, ideas and thoughts about the war and like Filoni says this in like the behind the scenes uh, uh featurette he talks about how this kind of like puts pressure on the order 66 question because at the time no one knew how that panned out and seeing 
the clones having personalities and thoughts and and wants and desires of their own like slick wanting freedom you start to kind of see oh so this this order 66 thing may be more complicated than it first appeared and it just yeah. kind of like it's d bradley baker as well deserves a lot of credit in this episode for making all of these clones feel distinct enough so you're not just you don't feel like you're listening to the same guy having a conversation with himself like five times times ten it actually feels like all these clones have distinct uh tones and cadences in their voice like different uh, he, like he always has done an excellent job with that absolutely yeah i again for it being so early in the show i was surprised how much freedom and humanity were brought up with the clones and, and really made into a, a bigger concept at large. Slick pretty much comparing the the clones to being enslaved it was pretty heavy at this point. Uh, he was offered freedom and, and money by Ventress, and it was enough to betray his brothers. And then there was a great line, uh, once Slick is, is defeated, of, I think freedom is going to have to wait, which that was like, I, I was really vibing with this plot and then we end the episode and it pretty much directly leads into where we see the clone wars movie begin which i thought was a really nice touch again i was shocked how much i loved this episode it was an absolute blast and i cannot wait for more clone centric episodes like this one because what a fun episode this was yeah agreed it's a really tense uh, mystery storyline, which is like, and it and it's really balanced well with the more like action-packed elements. So yeah, it's a re- it's a really strong. Uh, it's probably one of the b- better episodes of season one. Oh yeah, for sure. Jake, any thoughts before we uh, move on? I definitely agree. Like the way like that tension is built, and I I don't know. For me, I don't think it clicked so much when I was a kid. Like realizing like how like tense these first couple of i mean obviously uh like the last episode was later on but this one's still season one they really do like they keep you on the edge of your seat and i remember i was watching them like two nights ago and i was like obviously i knew what happened but i was still like holy shit like what's gonna happen but i knew it was gonna happen and so i don't know it's just really interesting to see that from what literally is a kid show like i feel like people don't really talk about that quite enough yeah um, not at all. So now we move on to our third episode. We begin another one of these like little mini arcs because this episode, Supply Lines, is a prequel to Ambush, which was the first episode aired in the series, which will be our last episode we talk about today. This was directed and by... Basically one long arc essentially. of Rylon. But this was directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell, which is not a, a name I'm too familiar with but i'm sure we'll see him pop up again because so many people directed these episodes uh this was written by steven melching and i'm gonna butcher this name i'm sorry uh Aghan mahoney sorry about that buddy uh the moral stop me if you heard this one where there's a will there's a way i don't know where where'd i'd like get to that refer to from. this episode as the i'm a gun die episode Yes. Because I was like, where does this guy show up? And the second I watched it and I saw 
and it cut to him, I'm, I literally screamed like, holy shit, I'm a gun die. <laughs> like, I was just like, where is this man? Like, he is one of the most I feel so stupid. Jedi ever to exist. I've been calling him I'm a Gundy for like my entire life. I, I just got those, the I'm pun a gun right die. I just I got like, it really? right uh, now. Shit. God damn it, George. <laughs> it yeah, you know better. that one was George too, because that's such a George thing die, to do. I'm like It gets better when you consider that his com clone commander is named Captain Keeley. Oh my oh, son of a gun. George! George, you freaking madman. I love you. Um, uh. I forgot. I didn't realize uh, how much. Uh, how much this uh, really delved into the political atmosphere of the clone. Oh, this War. is a very I political forgot. episode. Oh, and I, I love really it. For that. it. Yeah. So, I mean, I love it. I love it because it has Jar Jar in it as well, and the way it oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about how this episode betrays Jar Jar. But I just love the politics of the whole thing, and I love how it balances that with like the on the ground stuff. See, I will be completely honest with you. I love a lot of the political episodes of Clone Wars. The last third of this episode I thought was awesome. The first two thirds did not work for me that much, and I was shocked because I love Ryloth stories. So getting to see Champ Syndulla again for the first time, I was, like, really hyped. I'm like, I'm going to love this episode. And I didn't remember much of uh, Jedi Master Die beforehand. Uh, I was like, who's this cool-looking yeah, Nikto like, Jedi? Uh, yeah. but, and I, I really liked his stuff. And his voice was really cool. Uh, but... There was something I felt was was missing, and I, I'm still trying to figure out what that was. Maybe I just am not a fan of Toydaria, uh, but I don't know. I, I'll, I'll figure that one out. So the 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 basis of this episode I'm is surprised. You're surprised that I'm not a fan. No, no, no. I'm surprised that I love Toydaria. I think oh. just through these first few episodes, I'm just like, shit, I actually really like the Toydarians. See, Maybe yeah. I how went into it. to be a really noble and, like, compassionate people. And, like, the only Toydarian we knew of before Clone Wars was Wild. Yeah. See, what I will say... What I will say is I did not remember liking King Katunko, but I really liked him in these two episodes. That I, man is the GOAT. He I is love that guy. Such a like good leader and I very much liked his character. Um so the main portion of this episode was the Republic trying to aid the clone forces on Ryloth, but trying to get over this separatist blockade. But Tordaria is of course neutral in uh, the the Repub uh, the Clone Wars at this point, so they have to go through those hoops to get through that. Uh, there's an admiral earlier in this episode. I said admiral voiced by James Arnold Taylor with a French accent asked the Jedi Council for aid on Ryloth. So I guess that was so weird. Yeah, that was J. Oh, okay, that's why it sounded so familiar. I was like, who is this guy? He was just talking to himself because he was just talking to Kenobi and having him like. With that accent, it just, uh, 
didn't really make me uncomfortable, but it was really, really <laughs> odd to listen to. That was to. another one where I just immediately was like, all right, that's James Arnold Taylor, and he's got him, he's got himself an accent this time. There was <laughs> Yeah. Also worth noting, uh, so Robert Atkin Downs, the actor who voices Cham, also voices I'm a Gundai. So you've also got him talking with himself in scenes. I still That's can't believe this man's name is I'm a Gundai. How did <laughs> I not put that together? Dude, I just got General Keel. I just got Captain Keely, so I'm with you. I <laughs> like the Wikipedia uh-huh. article. His name pronounced like I'm a Gundai or I'm Gundai directly means I'm going to die, reflecting his death in the episode supply lines he appeared in. <laughs> Thanks. Speaking of which, the uh, followed by Wikipedia for the Republic podcast. Thank you, thank yes. you very much for that. That was awesome to see today. Of course, it's on the day that Twitter, as we know it, might uh, might be the last day we we see Twitter like this. But <laughs> oh god, who, who knows? Elon Elon's not gonna do anything. He's too stupid. Too busy smoking weed and naming his kids after coding. Um, but, yeah, fucking yeah. math problems. Yeah. Freaking math. Weird equation. as hell, dude. Yeah. How is that man the richest man in the world? That's when you know that something's wrong. If We're in the dark Elon time. Musk, well, he got all of his money from daddy. Same with our everybody's good old boy, Donnie. Like, they just got money from their parents, and then they were able to make more money because they already had a shit ton of money. They don't do shit. They don't know how to do shit. You leave that man home alone for a week and tell him to cook for himself, and he'll be dead. <laughs> yeah. We're getting real here on yeah. uh, For the Republic. For the Republic, everyone. we're talking about our favorite Clone Wars character, Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> he's also my favorite Rick and Morty character, uh, but that actually happened, so we're going to move what? on now. Yeah, he showed up <laughs> in an episode, and he played, I think his name was Elon Tusk. I'm yep. not joking. Yeah. Literally, yeah. And like they they say, and they explain away like because it's an alternate version, and they say it, and Rick says, "Oh well, we need to put a team together, and regular Elon can be a little bit controlling." Yeah. Um. That's a George Lucas character again, right there, Elon Tusk. Um. Elon Tusk. So, do you know while we're on the pros- subject of people who are sucking, do you know who else sucks? Lot Dodd, the senator for the. Trade I was going to bring him up. Yeah. No, was, no, 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 no. You know who's nice. worst? Orn Frita. Oh, oh my god. We got my I, I said we got we got like, Orn Frita, we got Lot Dot. I said if we just get zero, we'll have all my faves in one episode. I was If we oh. really want to talk about when Orn Frita sucks, everybody read Lords of the Sith. Phenomenal book. But he sucks in that yep. one as well. Yep. Yeah. Like when he's giving that impassioned speech to uh, King Kotunko, the, in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, you don't, <laughs> you're just safe in Coruscant. You don't really care about Ryloth. Like, Champsindula is like fighting like his, his butt off on the surface. I need to reread Words of the Sith because I can't. Sith I... was the first canon novel I ever read. And I, I read that one last year, and it is so good. I adore that book. I read that. Uh, it, my it was my favorite year of high school. I love that book. Yeah, it was my favorite canon novel until I read Into the Dark. But like, I don't remember how much of a bitch uh, Orn Fritha was in that. But I assume he's a big bitch. I remember. And, I will say it's extreme Vader like absolute shit in that book. Okay. 
Yeah, definitely not exclusive to that book that he's a bitch. He's just a bitch in everything. A bitch in everything. You know who isn't, though? Bail Organa. So it's great that he's the main character this episode. Bale is great. Bale is like the saving grace of the Senate. Jar Jar tags along with them, and and there there was a point where I went, oh no. But it wasn't that bad. So I, I actually think that there are certain pairings where Jar Jar, to me, in the Clone Wars doesn't work with. I know people like those Mace Windu episodes. I don't. But Bill Organa and Jar Jar, I really... I, I thought it was a fun pairing. I'm going to be completely honest. I agree. I'll take Jar Jar with anybody. I just yeah. I love Jar Jar. Do I'm, I'm not Jar even Jar joking. Jar I'm wearing a Jar Jar Bink shirt right now. There, oh, that's all. There is like, one. Like, I want to see an all. Oh, I want. I just want to see some like wacky ass story where like where Jar Jar meets up with Ray. Oh, and it's in the Age of Republic comics. Isn't there a Rex and Jar Jar team up? Yes. Where Jar Jar yes. has the saber. I okay, remember that one being about that. That was fun. that is how I display my Jar Jar Binks Black Series figure. Is I have him holding a spare blue lightsaber that I have. That's so cool. That is actually really cool. I I don't that remember is... whose saber it was. It was a fallen Jedi, a fallen like a Jedi. random ass Jedi that died. Yeah, but I rem- I read those Age of Republic comics and I was like, what is this gonna be? But I remember really enjoying that one. Um, yeah, but like. Well, Although this was Jar Jar not voiced by Ahmed Best, which is... Oh, no, it was. It was? It, it was. Ahmed, yeah, yeah, it was. Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best voices in here and I believe also in season six and in season one. Oh, uh, what episode a, am I thinking a of? During, you are probably... I think you're probably thinking of the Blue Shadow Virus you arc. You know what I'm thinking yeah. of? You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the... Dude, Lego the Blue Skyward. Shadow Virus arc has one of the best cat, best glup shittos in Star Wars, Peppy Bow. Okay. You know oh, what I'm, I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of. Um, I love her. I'm love thinking that. of the game. I'm thinking of the game because he's not voiced by yes. Ahmed Best in uh, the new game. He's voiced by who voiced him in a couple random episodes in season one. So that's what it, I'm thinking of. It's the same actor who voices Bale. Oh, oh like, uh, Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, Samurai Jack himself. He definitely did have some interesting voice choices. Oh yeah, I, for sure. I will say that a little bit of a tangent, but like having Daniel Logan play Empire Boba is probably the weirdest. Yeah, one. that is I nuts. Agree. That is nuts. I'm, I'm still not used to it. Daniel Logan played Empire Boba and not D. Bradley Baker. Yep, that is yeah, that is very weird. That's really weird. So, but uh, like on the subject, I know of Jar-Jar. Billy D. voiced Donald Glover Lando too. Yeah, which yeah. That, threw yep. me off that's wild that's what that is wild i was gonna say about jar jar though what i love about jar jar in this episode and and kind of like sort of mostly across the whole clone wars arc i love how he's portrayed and i loved hearing like how dave filoni talked about him in the behind the scenes stuff because he says jar jar's kind of at a point where he's he's able to use the perception that he is kind of clumsy and uncoordinated to his advantage and that he's, you know, he's a lot cleverer than you think he is. He really that did that in this episode. Really re- yeah, and it's really reflected in this episode because, like, you know, he's not he's not like a bumbling idiot. It would have been so easy to write this episode as, like, Jar Jar being an incompetent moron who keeps fucking up, who keeps getting 
setting Bail Organa back because, you know, a lot of the fans didn't like Jar Jar, but they don't do that. They actually instead make Jar Jar like a character who's caring, who cares about the people of Ryloth. He wants he wants to make sure that this mission is a success. And he actually pulls it off. He actually like his little ploy to distract Lot Dog works. That and, was, he, oh, and it's not even like I and it's was, not even like messes up and breaks stuff. With he literally the stalling placing, I was laughing my ass off. I it's great. I was lucky, having lucky. so much fun with that. You know what I also love about Jar Jar in the, the show? I, I just love his look. I love the little like purple tie. Like I just oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm a big fan of of Clone Wars Jar Jar's look. But yeah, it, it gives you so much. It tells you so much about his character without you needing to hear him speak. But Lot Dodd, however, I could go the rest of my life without hearing him speak. Not a fan. I'm not a fan. He's I don't so get like there. There's a certain thing about how did the Jedi not realize that Palpatine was a Sith Lord this whole time? How did they not realize that this man is not very clearly working with the Separatists? Like, oh, I'm neutral. Of course you are, buddy. Like, the most clearly corrupt senator, like, in existence. He literally has an evil look on his face nine times out of ten. Yeah, he's yeah, like smirking like, at Bale still and out in the Galactic every, every moment it storms out way. like you will not get away with this. Yeah, the line that kills me the most is when like uh, I think Bail Organa mentions Newt Gunray as part of the Trade Federation, and and Lot Dodd goes, "Newt Gunray is an extremist. His views do not reflect those of the Trade Federation." And I just got like flashbacks to like all the basically that line being utilized in like real life because it's like yeah unfortunately yeah. Yeah. george once again like being ahead of the curve there he remember though uh, star wars wasn't political until ryan johnson directed a movie in the franchise so yep. uh, yeah can't hear that was straight face. george lucas the guy that literally said the clone wars is about the iraq war uh and compared Palpatine to and Nixon. the U.S. is the bad guys, yeah. and people want to be like, no, no, literally, la, 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 la. Like, yep, yep. never, never. I political. refuse to listen. Uh, I refuse to comprehend. But there is, there's a lot of politics in this episode. If we get an early look at it, and I, I did like seeing the the Senate debates aspect. Like that part of the episode did work for me. I just felt that was cool. I that just was felt something was missing. I'm, cool. I'm gonna have to work that out in my mind of what wasn't working for the first part of the episode. Uh, but the the glimpses we get on Ryloth and seeing General Dai's forces, I I really like the armor of the clones and uh, Captain Keeley in particular. They had some really cool looking idea. clone That's armor. The oh, they look really cool. It's Very really intricate. Cool yeah, like the, the design on his helmet and everything, the patterns, and even like his hair, his hairstyle, it's really cool, like really unique. And it makes his, it makes losing him quite impactful because he feels unique. He doesn't feel like a cookie cutter clone commander that they've brought out just to die. He kind of feels like he has personality and the, like the mo- and that's also reflected w- in him seemingly going down, but getting up and making a last stand with General Dai against the, the droids. I'm a gun die though because his robes have those really cool like I don't know it's like a planet pattern or something on it but again like they put that intricacy into both of their designs to like make you feel connected to them just to kill them both by the end of the episode. Yeah. How did yeah, it the, the last 
I the last third is so close hard. Yeah. Like with the action oh, and, the, and will, the impactful. We'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, we get more instances of Katunko being just the dopest king of all time. You know, uh, we're, we're neutral, but we'll bring you. We'll help bring you some supplies on this one ship. Uh, there's a there's a moment with I thought was exceptional <laughs> droid comedy, where they discovered the explosives. I I was dying. Oh yeah, the uh, uh, yeah. oh, there's no clones, no clones, just explosives. Explosives. Everyone dies. I'm like, Ooh. beautiful, Matthew Wood, you beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, I've heard Matthew Wood talk about like how he would add in a lot of the droid humor last minute just to like surprise the development team as well because the droids don't have mouths, so he can just have them say whatever. We we brought up how shitty Orn Free ties in this episode. Um, uh, no, just not in this yeah, episode. Just, just everything. Everything. Yeah, everything. However, objectively, the most attractive Star Wars character. Moving on. Um, no. <laughs> this is Ray. I mean, yeah. Ray Skywalker slander. Get the. Get the oh, he's got like four Leku. So, is Orn Ta playable in Lego Skywalker Saga? No, but you know who is? And you know who's more attractive? Ayla Sakura. It's very true. You know who should be is fucking Ochi of Bestoon. They got his goddamn model in the game. You can see his hologram. They don't let you run around as that lovable dipshit. That guy's an idiot because of Greg Pak, and I love him. And I really would. Dude, his ship's playable. And he's not. Yeah. This is a travesty. You can fly the Bestoon legacy, but you can't play as him. If he ever appears in live action, he needs to just emerge. He needs to make his appearance, kicking down a door, and just. Well, he wasn't Rise of Skywalker, but we're not going to. Bestoon. It's like, where's your daughter? They're like, not on Jakku. I'll tell you that. He's like, I'll take your word for it, but I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I'm going to kill you. I'll take your word for it, and I'll take your life. Can you play as um? (laughs) What the hell is his name? Don uh, Dominic Monaghan's character from Rise of Skywalker. Love the cat. I like the character. Absolutely useless in the role. Can you? Pl- you could have just given it to Rose. Yeah, really. Is he playable though, or is uh, he not playable? Yes. Okay. And it, when he, when I unlock him, I'll just beat the shit out of him as Rose because she deserves to. I would say I wouldn't know because I absolutely hate Beaumontkin. Um, hashtag worst character in Star Wars. <laughs> That's the you misspelled Ponkrell. <laughs> Well, I mean, Man, someone I, on Twitter I'd told throw me he's Pong the best a birthday party before I shook hands with Beaumont Kin. Okay, fair. Touche. Ponkrell, what a guy. We'll get to him later. What a oh, guy. We'll get to Ponkrell. We'll get to him later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like I said, Jar Jar with the, uh, the plates. Hilarious. Jar Jar with the plates was legendary. I, I really love also him. loved the look of like the, the floating dining room table. Like, yeah. very Star yeah. Wars, very Tordarian. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, um, the Tordarian culture is really well portrayed here. Like, I like how it's really... so distinct. And how they're like, like, because there's another thing that's like talked about behind the scenes. They designed Katunko like, to have this like kind of implication that Tordarians, they prize having big bellies. And like, the bigger your belly is the more in shape you are. And that's why, like, King Katunko has such a large uh, belly in relation to, like, the the guards. I just, I like, I like how they... Yeah, and it 
kind of like it having a distinct society of of this alien race it it makes Watto more interesting as a character because having that contrast it, it it informs like him as a character it informs that society like oh we because like it's easy to get like misconceptions about like oh all of the, all of these aliens in star wars they're all just a particular way like oh they're all just like scumbags or they all just work for this person that's not the case they're like there's plenty of them that don't do that their society might not even be it be represented accurately by this one character who's appeared in the films and that i think that's one of the most amazing things about star wars yeah especially this show getting to see different people of species that have not been portrayed in a positive way in the movies but getting to see you know other characters that are way more heroic and way more uh, lovable. I really has always been one of my favorite parts of the series. Uh, but my favorite part of the episode was 100% uh, our real first heroic death of the series. Chronologically, in Captain Keeley and uh, our, our old favorite Jedi Amagundai. Uh, sacrificing themselves in combat. Dai's last words were literally the Twi'leks will live to fight another day. I think it's a great example of what a Jedi should be, sacrificing himself to defend a uh, oppressed people. And I love the way he delivers it. I love the way he delivers it. And right as he dies, his comlink comes in of the news of the supplies arriving. Powerful as hell. That actually gave me chills watching that yeah, unfold. Same. Yeah, especially with the Kevin Kiner's music. It's very impactful. Like It's so atmospheric as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was shocked how well that uh, worked for me. It was like, it really hit me. Especially because we only see this clone and this Jedi in one episode. But it worked, and they, they didn't get much screen time. But if we if we do an in-memoriam around here, I mean, they're going to be the first two entries. So R.I.P. General General Dai and Captain Keeley, you will you will be missed. Uh, Legends of Ryloth, honestly. Uh, but they get the supplies there. Lot Dot can can eat shit. Um, in Tordaria, King Kaduko says he's open to joining the Republic eventually. Uh, we get more of that in Ambush, and the episode ends with the line, the people of Ryloth shall endure. So, yeah, there was there was, there was was a lot to go in with this episode. A lot of the political aspects. We get our first glimpse at Ryloth, which, again, Ryloth, Chamsundula, all the Twilight Rebellion stuff, I it's one of my favorite Clone Wars storylines. Uh, I, I do think that yep. there are better episodes in the series uh, that focus more on the political stuff and more on the Ryloth uh, war. But it was a solid episode. It was probably, I would say, maybe my least favorite of the ones we watched today, but it was by no means a bad episode. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff that definitely did work for me quite a bit, especially the uh, stuff with the sacrifice at the end. And Bail Organa is just the goat, so I will yep. eat up any Bail is the goat. Anything else before we get to our last episode of the day? And it's a big one. Nope. All right. I got so, nothing. 
Season 1, Episode 1, Ambush. It's directed by Dave Bullock, written by Stephen Melching. The moral is, the great leaders inspire greatness in others. This was the first released episode of the entire series, not the first made, I believe. Which, again, I, the way that they released the show is just weird to me. Uh, but I can tell it's the first episode of the show because the animation looks different and the opening fanfare is not the traditional one that I'm so used nope. to. So that really threw me off. I was like, what the hell? It's like when... Um, Speaking of, anybody that skips Clone Wars intros like automatically goes to Yeah, prison. no, That's, you're not, you're not yeah. allowed... Well, I'm not saying you're not allowed to watch this show, but you need to uh, rethink your life choices because... Yeah, no, that's a crime against humanity. Um, go home and rethink your life. Go I want to go home and rethink my life. Is <laughs> Elon Sleaze Bagano playable in Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga? No. I don't well, think so. That is uh, the worst news I've heard all day, honestly. Um, that's worse than Ochi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was very thrown off by the, the fanfare being different. It kind of reminded me of when they started messing with it in season seven, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, like we have something perfect here. You don't need to go changing it. Uh, but it, it worked. Uh, it, it is a bit more stripped down, uh, but we do still get Tom Kane's narration. Is it the only episode where it's like this, or was it just this one? I guess we'll find out next week, because uh, the Malevolence arc is the episodes that are aired right after this one. Uh, but we are continuing the Tordaria plot. We get King Kutuko showing up again, having some dealings with Ventress and Count Dooku, and Yoda is on his way to Tordaria with three clones, and what do you know? His forces are ambushed, almost like that's the title of the episode. Uh, but it's nice to get a Yoda episode this early, and this is one of the more, I'd say, iconic episodes of Clone Wars. I don't know if it's one of my favorite ones, but it is definitely, like, synonymous with the series, I would definitely say. It was always one yeah. of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I remember this episode the most growing up because, like, well, it was the premiere episode of the Clone Wars. And just, like, re-watching it, I was like, damn. This is a really fun and really solid episode. Like, I'm going as far to say, like, this is a top 10 Clone Wars episode for me. I agree. Has, like, the perfect blend of humor, action, and wisdom in it. Like, dude, one of my favorite moments that I freaking died at was, um, was at the end when Yoda says, Strong you are in the dark side, young one, but not that strong. And just uh, fucking force Paul's Ventress's sabers towards him. I just started fucking dying beautiful. laughing. It's great. Like uh, Yoda's portrayal in this episode is pitch perfect because it's it's a great balance of his more whimsical, kind of like impish side that you see in Empire. But yeah, you also yeah. get the more serious 100%. version. And then there's also the nurturing side as well. And and that's why I think this is a great way to start. Because, in a way, it's an encapsulation of how the light side and the dark side of the Force operate, how the players of each side, how, what, what their tactics are, what they believe in. 
and it also kind of makes like a thesis statement on on the show it begins it begins one of the core themes that goes across the whole show and that is like the i did uh the clones and how they 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 are people you know because like i know george was involved in this and i know george like uh obviously was heavily involved in a lot of the scripts but i've always had this kind of lingering feeling that when he originally wrote the prequels part of his idea of doing the clones and writing the, the backstory that he did about them was to kind of portray them as like almost like biological machines they were almost kind of like programmed to be obedient so like they, they they weren't really in his mind when making those films they weren't really people but then as the film uh, after the films kind of went on and the clones started to take on personalities of their own in like the clone wars 2d series or the comics that kind of changed and then he was like oh well actually when you think about it yes they they, they do count as people because if they're if they're a biological life form the force resides in them and it's one of my favorite lines in the episode and indeed in the whole series is when Yoda turns to the three clones that accompany him and he says clones you may be but the force resides in all life forms I think that's just a beautiful moment beautiful moment yeah I know because I was doing some research for this episode after I had written uh, watched it and they had said that it wasn't originally supposed to be the first episode that aired but close to the premiere they decided to change it to this one because they all really enjoyed the episode and Filoni said we all felt it would be a really strong way to start the series with a really fun Yoda episode and I believe this lost. one was screened a couple months before the episode aired because it aired in October and it says it was shown uh, to the Television Critics Association press tour on July 11, 2008 and then later in September so they were obviously very proud of this episode if they were showing it months ahead of time for the uh the show aired and i think it feloni's right it is a perfect way to start the series you start with this one you get yoda at maybe his best in the whole series you get a great clone story getting the take your helmets off scene which we will get to uh it's it's a perfect like way to begin the show and touch on a lot of the themes that we see and it's also a very fun episode i i got a lot of like kurosawa influences from this one uh and uh, it, it it's definitely when i say iconic it, it's it's had the test of time i know a couple years back they did that anthology book the uh stories of light and dark and this was one I of the one that got that. um adapted i this is the only story from it i've read uh and i remember really liking it quite a bit it's definitely you said top 10 i don't know if i would go that far for me personally but it was definitely a very very good episode and i think having it this and having supply lines as like a great prequel companion piece to it really worked uh on the rewatch oh it works super well and i think like I think it's because I grew up with this episode as a kid because I was because what Clone Wars came out 2008 I was 11 when this episode aired probably wait was I 11 I don't know I was 10 or 11 I was around that age and so I just remember this episode's there are two uh, there's three arcs in season one that I just remember specifically standing out to me 
um, in as a kid when Clone Wars premiered, and it was this episode. It was the Ryloth arc, and it was the, uh, as I like to call it, the Aayla Sakura arc, for obvious reasons. I don't have to say why. Um, and, and just uh, Ambush, I just think, is just such a fantastic episode. And like like Don said, it's a wonderful, I think, encapsulation of what the Clone Wars is. Yeah, because it really just kind of like, it, it. well, as I said, it sums up like the... Uh the the light and the dark in like how Ventress and Yoda act uh because it's literally it's literally like both of them competing to try and win over King Katunku who really he's he's already I feel he already has made up his mind at the start like he's already leaning towards Yoda and he never really wavers he just entertains Ventress because he's a considerate he's a considerate alien you know he actually like he's a, like we said he's a good ruler he he listens to people but it's very apparent that like Ventress is not not being entirely honest with him, and and that's what I was saying about how it in, encapsulates both sides because you see Yoda continuously is is honest and uses his mind to constantly outthink the droids, and he tries to pass that on to the clones, whereas Ventress constantly resorts to deception to try and like win over Katunko. She lies about uh, Yoda getting a fair fight. She resorts to aggression when uh, Yoda continuously outsmarts her. And then there's the whole thing at the end where she resorts to outright violence. And it just and it, it encapsulates like how those actions often are the undoing of the dark side. It's that it's that it's that reliance on anger and hatred and deception that often undoes them. They they often defeat themselves and the, the Jedi are, are often like you know, the Jedi just often help that along and just kind of go, oh, I could have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we... Oh, dude, I didn't realize, okay, because I'm Googling it right now, like, I wondered what happened with these, cl- with the three, uh, with Jack, Reese, and Thire. Yeah, I know and, where this uh, is going. I just, they, I think, were, uh, Oh, okay. Jack was killed by Yoda. Dude, Jack was killed by Yoda on Kashyyyk. Oh, oh no. No. no! Like he was, he was the clone that got beheaded alongside Commander Green. Which, like, God damn it! Oh. I fucking love that scene, but like, oh, oh this hurts. My heart. Oh, I uh, hope. Oh, Fire, Fire is also. The, um... Yeah, he reports to Palpatine on yeah, in the Senate chambers. Palpatine and yeah. Reese. Uh. uh trying to see what he does Do we know about him i don't i don't know if we know anything else about him my head canon is that thaya did, didn't actually follow order 66 and he spotted yoda in the tunnels and let him go like that day like if they do a from a certain point of view revenge of the sith they should absolutely oh, do like shit. a short story that's just thaya letting yoda uh escape because he he was never order 66 so Wikipedia says Reese has only shown up in this episode. Uh, but it also states that he is a member of the Coruscant Guard. Um, so yeah, I guess this is his only story. The only stories listed are Ambush and uh, Stories of Light and Dark, which was the one based off of this episode. So he does not have the tragic story that the other two have. 
say alternatively to Don's point, rather than Thyre maybe assisting in Yoda's escape, you could always have a story that he went to the Jedi Temple uh, with Obi-Wan. I would like that. Got killed by Yoda so that you could have all three of these clones that Yoda helped at the start of the Clone Wars. Yoda also was the one that killed them at the end of the war. That would be heartbreaking. Uh, I would pain. But, like, you're known as the king of pain, Jake, so, like... I I, I always have to think about the darkest, most upsetting outcomes, so... Right. You, you really do. You tell me that Jack was the one Yoda killed. Uh, yeah, Jack and Gree were the two, took, like the two clones that the put their blasters sails. at him in Revenge of the Sith, and then he just does that backflip and decapitates them both. Yeah, Jack is the <sighs> one alongside Gree. Uh, I, I know, right? That's I'm never going to look at that scene the same way again. No, me neither. Side side and point: that- uh, Commander Gree's armor is freaking awesome looking um oh, yeah. the Kashyyyk clone armor is just incredible just yeah uh but now i don't want to talk about the rest of the episode because i'm too upset yeah i i've traumatized um, I, I just decided to look up oh were there any were there any any, any more stories because like i just remember never hearing about them jason again. fry's fault I'm reading it, he's like, yeah, I imagine that, you know, he was there on Kashyyyk when Yoda got the Force Vision, and then they retconned it so that he's the trooper. Thanks. Thanks. Nice. Thanks, Jason. Jason. Uh, To cheer myself up, uh, it was incredibly awesome in that scene where Yoda just completely decimated the super battle droids with the Force. Uh, Oh, yeah. Dude, and seeing Yoda just be a freaking warrior is phenomenal. And, like, I know that... Oh, beautiful. Like, I know I shouldn't... I mean, there's two parts of me that are like, yeah, it kind of, you know, it kind of signifies the downfall of the Jedi, that they're, be, that they're becoming warriors and generals, and it really shows that the, how they lost their ways. But, like, at the same time, it's just so fucking cool seeing them be warriors and generals having him hop around on all the battle droids and like redirect their shots like the shot where he jumps on the aat cannon and just stares into the barrel and yeah. then like, just, like tricks them into shooting their own tank that's amazing it's just like yeah yoda's whole all the action scenes of yoda in this are like are brilliant they're all really fun and energetic and it, i it love is- the lines he has in this as well like when he when he says size and everything hmm? smaller we are but larger in mind <laughs> and then and then the clones just like look at each other like do you know what he's talking about yoda is just well it's interesting when you think about too how it's like the three clones and yoda versus like mattress and her army of battle droids that she has there and they're still able to come out on top yeah again it's star wars class- it's a classic story. Star Wars story. You've got the underdog, the underdog good guys fighting against like the tyrannical, overly mechanized army, and they win. The good guys win because they rely on their like their their minds, their their humanity, and their resourcefulness. Exactly. And then we we already touched on it, but the the cave scene with the clones and Yoda, it's one of the defining moments of at least the first season, the whole show, honestly, more emphasis on these clones. They're not just faceless soldiers that we see turn on the Jedi. They are individuals that we grow to love so many of them. 
again, it's it the work D. Bradley Baker does, it's it's he should he's in a different class in my eyes. Uh but then Agreed. this quote from Yoda again, we brought up one of them, but deceive you, eyes can in the forest, very different, each one of you are. Really just setting in stone this guy, this is the type of show that this is gonna be. You know, these aren't just gonna be cool looking clones that we don't really know and they're just going to be in the background and do some cool stuff they're going to be real characters and they're going to be in many cases some of the best in the entire series and i i just i loved everything about it and then them using the the lessons that yoda gave them to use their minds to defeat the droids and and outsmart ventress was again great like getting to see Yoda lead his command like this. I don't think we get that many where he's this front and center. So getting to see it right away is a great way to, to start off the, uh, the series. Of course, Katunko, like we, we never knew. We, we knew he was always going to just join the Republic. And of course he chooses to join them. Yoda just embarrasses Ventress with, uh, strong on the dark side, but not that strong beautiful scene uh but then another thing i wanted to point out because we of course had christopher lee as dooku in the clone wars movie this is the first time we hear cory burton as count dooku technically and i think he does such a phenomenal job in the role that sometimes he's like my default of who i hear is dooku and not christopher lee yeah, I kind of think though. Yeah, I agree. It's he weird to a, think that for me. He has a very resonant tone um, in his voice. That's like it. It comes across so well. But again, like the the moments that Yoda and Dooku have. Of course, the old Master Apprentice doesn't get talked about that much, but it is such a unique relationship and. I love all the scenes they share together in Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars and anything else. They're just I, I it's a listen a to Dooku Jedi. I have to. Yes, I have so to. good. I yes, I I co-sign Jake's. Uh, is Jake's there is there a lot of that in that book? Or there's a there's a really good, there's a pretty good amount from what I can from what I can remember because I everyone says that's one of it is much Scott's more best. Of- like a more heavy focus on like Dooku individually, but like his relationship with Yoda is definitely prominent. Is there a lot of Qui-Gon uh, get... in that one, or there's a good really? little bit? There's a little bit. We also get some Rail Abaros, who oh yeah, one of my most underrated Star Wars characters. Yeah, I liked Rail. Um, Master and Apprentice. What a genius! Yeah, he's so cool. Also, I want to point out that like I didn't notice this until I didn't notice this until this rewatch. Uh, Ventress definitely learned from Dooku because she uh, she distracted Yoda and uh, his clones and King Katunka, King Katunka and uh, his people by blowing by like you know putting them in quote unquote mortal danger and then Yoda would has to save them uh, and then she gets away and it reminded me straight out of uh, Attack of the Clones when um, Dooku escapes yoda by doing pretty much the exact same thing he tries to he puts uh anakin and obi-wan in danger and yoda has to stop fighting dooku to, um to save them and dooku oh, 
uses that that's such a that's escape. such a good parallel so yeah you just put that together I you could just I'm... like you could just see dooku like saying to ventures hey yeah so if you ever like meet master yoda you just like drop drop shit on him and then you'll be able to get away because otherwise you're not going anywhere i'm glad yep. we have the uh the attack of the clones number one fan with us so yes uh, no. i i don't know if number one fan but like one I'm, of the I'm, I, I, near the yeah. top you i'm have, a fan you if i don't you have it number one on your personal ranking yes yeah so that's that's more than a lot of people can say so it is. It's yes. always appreciated, especially because it's turning twenty in a couple weeks. I wish Lucasfilm would acknowledge that, but um, yeah, they will. Hopefully. And we're gonna get well, a shit ton of stuff for I'm just, it. And, and we'll thing, see. Hopefully, Star Wars Celebration goes out with it because I, I know in Chicago they really they did a lot for uh, really Phantom Menace. Emphasize Phantom Menace, but I remember them. They okay, I'll have to bring that. They. I don't. If I remember okay. correctly, they built it up a lot more though beforehand, and they really did. But they also, not... think about how much of a mess this whole celebration That's thing is. Very I mean, true. it's not their fault. I, I, up fault. until about three weeks well, ago, I still didn't. Some think of it was is, happening. but, um, but I, I agree. I'm genuinely shocked that they are still going through with it. Um, the timing just doesn't really feel. I, I just right. think it's time. I, I just think having it in May is weird. It should be having it in summer. May is weird. Yeah, I would say either August or a April in Chicago. I felt like was a good yeah. month to be honest with you. It, this um, is mainly August just me would have being been salty. Good. I can't go anymore. But like, also like, I just think Fair May enough. is weird, and I don't think I think it was supposed to be August, and then they're like, nah, May. What? It was supposed to be August, and then it got pushed back to August of last year, and then it got pushed back to May of this year. And personally, like, obviously, we are doing decently well in terms of the pandemic but we still aren't out of it having yeah. a massive convention my entire family just best. had it last week so it's yep. definitely not and also when you consider the fact they're leaning back on their guidelines saying that oh you can just show us a negative test and you can come in it's like okay when i had covid back in january i tested negative like 12 hours before i tested positive so, so yeah i wonder sister. if they'll you uh... never know I would not be surprised if they change it again to say like, yeah, fuck that. We're yeah. going to have it back to they, what we had before. They put something out the other On the bright side, they are mandating masks, yeah. but... They put something out the other day that we'd just be able to... I would be able to transfer my uh, ticket if I can't go anymore instead of having to outright sell it. But I haven't seen any update on that yet. So um, they better get on that because my window's closing on that one. So... If you can transfer it, transfer it because fingers crossed, I should be going in 2024. That is when they do the next to one. Go for the next one, um, but that is another story for another time, as uh, Mas Kanata would say. But ambush again, great episode, defining episode for the series, one of the best Yoda episodes, if not the best Yoda episode. Uh, so we had four really solid episodes here. Out of the four we watched. For this week, what would you say your favorite of the four was? Uh, mine, honestly, was the hidden enemy. I had an absolute blast with that one. I'd agree there. I'm probably going to go for Ambush. I think Ambush is probably the one I had the most... Uh, well, the, not just most fun with, but I just... I enjoyed just in, on, like, just an emotional level and, like... 
you know, I think, yeah, it would be ambush for me. Yep. Ambush for me too. But that was pretty obvious when I said it was a top 10. Yeah, when you said it was a top 10, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to look weird for saying Hidden Enemy is my favorite. But I'll I'll, I'll go I agree there, though. I'm also just a simp for anything on Christophsis, though. That's that's, easily one of my favorite Star Wars planets. Also, very, very Can we talk just quickly, can we just mention the amazing design of the moon Ragosa? that because i love the design oh, of ragosa's Whoa. moon is fantastic i love the coral design how it look it's such a unique location for star wars because it's like i love the idea of like it's it's a coral planet it once had water but it's all it's all dried up now so you have these amazing structures uh that just look so alien and so like unique i just love it love amazing environment the clone wars it is interesting how they give it like a story as to why it looks that way though too when a lot of the times star wars locations are just ah they look that way because they look that way yeah like if if, like for anyone listening if you enjoy the clone wars episodes uh look up the behind the scenes featurettes they're on youtube it's great to hear like dave filoni and the development team talk about like designing the characters like the thought they put into certain environments and how that informs the story and how it connects to the films it's just really good stuff i i highly recommend it it's very enlightening i i just want to point out the, uh, the one of the twitter accounts i've been loving recently is the beauty of star wars concept art one that's been going around i think it's i just art followed them like SW. yesterday and it, it just had me thinking like seeing all of that and seeing like the early like prequel ones like that's the one thing that's like that would be such a cool career to have would just be like concept artist i just wish i could draw like that's just like that's like that is literally something i would love to do but i have no artistic skill whatsoever so ah man star wars concept art like the the art of books are literally my favorite thing i have all of the disney era ones uh except i think they did i don't have mando season two yet but i have all the other ones and I God. might get the Rebels one. I have that one. Uh, um, next page. Right. I have the Rebels one as well. The Rebels one yeah. is really cool. Uh, but I think that is all for today. It was a absolute pleasure as always. Next week we will... Well, next time we have an episode. Probably not going to be next week. But next episode we are going to be discussing the Malevolence arc. The first big arc of the series... And I may have a special surprise for you then. We'll have to wait and see. Gentlemen, where can we find you on the socials? And uh, hope you had a good time today. It was fantastic. I just love, I think for me at least, Clone Wars is something I never really talk about all that much when it comes to Star Wars. Just because like, I think the fandom kind of makes it out, you know. The fandom sort of uh, kills my enjoyment for it because the Star Wars fandom does that a lot. Um, But being able to revisit these uh, episodes and talk about it with you guys has just been, has really made me re realize, like, yeah, I really like this show. Um, And I'm excited just to see how, you know, what happens in Clone Wars again once i you know continue my rewatch of it because this will be my third time through uh clone wars the entirety of it well okay the second time was pre-season seven 
but like it's basically my second time um in terms of where you can find me uh twitter at depa banana um instagram actually i'm not even gonna plug my instagram i don't even <laughs> use it um here for the republic podcast i'm a co-host uh and i'm also a co-host at the nerd academy podcast which is just a nerd podcast we have our main show which is the title of the podcast the nerd academy podcast but we also have our star wars specific show knights in the nerd republic um i'm basically on there pretty much most episodes and we have a slew of other shows and upcoming content that like you can check out on our socials twitter instagram youtube our website nerd academy pod the nerd academy podcast.com uh, and then you can find me writing articles uh, and stories uh, super slowly um, at swedittorig.com. I, Jake, and Don are a part of the SWE Fiction um, story universe where we talk, where we write stories about Star Wars. And we adhere to what Lucasfilm has done with the canon while also making our own unique and original characters and stories. And it's a really interesting process, but it's really fun. Don't you guys uh, have another uh, story coming out soon? We do, yes. Uh, Our first comic, actually. Which by the time this episode comes out, it will probably be released. But um, it comes out on the 30th of april if i'm not mistaken uh it is called redeemed and the redeemable uh it is set during the sequel era that is all i will say it is really good i'm super excited for the reception to it uh yeah it's uh, it's fun being in that universe so can't wait to it is indeed uh yeah i'm gonna like I'm gonna echo uh, what Connor s- uh, said. It's been it's been really great uh, revisiting these episodes with you guys. Like just digging down into the more like uh, into the more kind of nuts and bolts aspect of like of like the plot and stuff, and you know, getting new perspectives on like just like each episode. And I'm just really excited to discuss like certain upcoming arcs. It's, it was a joy to discuss stuff like ambush. Uh, that's one I feel really personally about, which is what, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was really fun. Like talking about all of these, I'm really excited to talk about like malevolence next, next time, uh, to cover some other arcs like Ryloth, Obi-Wan undercover, um, the Mandalore arcs and, uh, obviously like siege of Mandalore down the line. Uh, as for where you can find me, you can find me on Twitter. I have my at is at Donovan Mead. Uh, like Connor said, I also am part of SWEditor.com and I like I write articles and I am also writing stories as well. Perfect. Yeah, like Don said too, um, I've watched Clone Wars like three or four times now, I think. This will be either my fourth or my fifth. But it's really cool to examine it like in a much deeper way because usually when i was watching in the past it was just sort of passive it was just for entertainment now like getting really to watch like you know how they went about things and really examine like the ways like the technology changed and all that like that's really fun i think that's like my favorite thing that we've been doing uh in regards to that um but yeah again as the other two have discussed 
I write at Star Wars Editor as well. Um, like Connor said, the new comic's coming out, written by our creator, Austin. Um, so that's really exciting. Everybody check that out. And, uh, yeah, Twitter, I am JediJake underscore underscore. And uh, for any of you that feel like you need to flock away from Twitter, uh, on Discord, I'm always online there. Uh, JediJake number 6792. Perfect. And you can follow me on TikTok and Twitter at Starlight Andrew. Uh, you can also find me writing articles on SWEIG.com, uh, like the rest of these gentlemen. It's a great time. Also join the SWE Discord server, the SWE Council. It is an absolutely great fan community that I have an absolute blast every time I hop in there. Uh, like I said, next time you'll see us, we'll be talking the Malevolence arc. But until then, for Light and Life, may the Force be with you, always. Always.